from the pages of the DRaysBay.com blog. Welcome to The Hit Show. Hello and welcome back to The Hit Show. It is July 10th. We did not record last week. My sincere apologies. The 4th of July had fireworks going up on a Tuesday, but not a podcast. And that is quite all right because we are sitting pretty. The Tampa Bay Rays are on an all-star break, which you're probably very well aware of. And we so want to talk about the all-star break. And that's going to be in the next podcast because very uh, excitingly, we have Brett Phillips from the site. You might know him behind the Twitter account. You might know him from his hilarious game recaps. He is incredibly intelligent and well-spoken and such a great writer. Apparently that translates well to 140 characters as our Twitter man. He just put on the site a incredible and incredible Lucius Fox piece and the experience of being at the Futures game. And he's going to be on the podcast. He's been talking to players. Uh, It's going to be a great time. We're really looking forward to the next couple. Uh, Go read the Lucius Fox thing if you have not yet. And now let's level set. Here with me is Darby. Hello. Uh, yeah, if, if you, uh, it is so good to hear your voice as well. Um, yeah, it's a nice 4th of July fun, um, but we are back. Uh, and yeah, with some awesome content. Seriously, I just it, just need to underline how awesome that Lucius Fox piece is and how uh, amazingly kick-ass Brett Phillips is. Um, we are lucky to have him. This yes. is... Oh yeah, go ahead. This is uh, no. I'm just. I'm just. I just about, can't the start of this podcast more. is all Brett Phillips related. So um, I, I think Brett Phillips is amazing. Your turn, Danny. What What do you like about Brett Phillips? Uh, I like his Musk. Mm. No. Uh, okay. So by the way, we're talking about our writer. Uh, who cares about the prospect? He's fine too, I guess. But he's always going to be the the other Brett Phillips. I don't care. He could be a Hall of Fame career. Oh, the he's just going to be. Outfielder? He's going to be the other Brett Phillips. Like the Thank not you for tuning into cool our one. podcast, Brett Phillips Daily. <laughs> uh, Next where the we're one player we'll never have is Brett the Phillips. Chef. Okay, diving <laughs> in. Tampa Bay. I mean, can you believe it? Tampa Bay is tied for second in the division at the end of the first half. Yeah, with the Yankees three and a half back. Uh, not just in the race, but like this is weird. It's this is the it's right now a three team race for the top um, with with two teams in the in the auxiliary Orioles and Blue Jays are still there because it's the American League and everybody's like at least pretty good. Um, but right now, I mean, you have the heavy hitters and the Rays are right there with the heavy hitters. Yeah, I mean, in pole position in terms of wild card, because the wild card is the Yankees and the Rays at three and a half games back of Boston and. The other teams are trailing behind. It's it's an incredible time to be in this division and be succeeding. It's not like in the National League, as you were kind of uh, hinting at there, where teams have a ridiculous number of wins, and it's really out uh, weighted toward a couple teams, like the Dodgers. Uh, I mean, the, the, the AL West is the insane. Astros. I mean, let's, yeah, the NL West is insane. <laughs> the AL Central and the AL East, though, great parody it's going to be a really fun second half of the season tampa bay three and a half games back because they went six and four and part of that was splitting with the cubs and part of that is the yankees going three and seven over the last 10 games so here we sit at 47 wins boston has 50 we're technically three and a half games back because of the number of games played but let's really hone in 
on those last four games heading into the All-Star break? Because all four of those games are played against Boston. It's always exciting. It always feels uh, special, like a little bit above your regular season games when it's when it's Boston, Tampa, um, more so than than Tampa, New York. It seems I feel like Boston really is like this team. You know, they have a very short history, but a very long uh, rivalry in that short time. And every time they they face off in a series, it has like that little extra importance. And this series going to the mm-hmm. All Star break. Uh, I mean, it's huge, right? Boston's leading the division. They have 50 wins. Um, the only other team in the American League that has 50 wins is the Astros, and they did that, uh, it seems like a month ago. But <laughs> <laughs> They have three players starting in the All-Star game. Yeah, so Boston's good. Um, but they come into the Trop, they come into uh, to St. Pete, and um, yeah, four-game series. We're going to dive into this, but this was this was a lot of fun. This was... This was just great baseball, really exciting stuff. And this this felt like a potential playoff preview. Like this this could be a playoff series. This could be an NLDS. This could be an uh, or not NL. Definitely can't be an NLDS. It can be an no. ALDS or an ALCS. The one thing it can't be is an NLDS. This could have been a really empty stadium, but the Rays were fortunate in that it was the big rivalry against the Red Sox. And I believe, without looking it up, that all four games were above 20,000 fans in those seats. It they was were. a loud trop. It was a loud, loud environment. Listening on the radio for me, watching the games for you, I'm sure uh, I'm blacked out because <laughs> I live in... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Radio was loud like a home team crowd, which is a little bit of a pivot you know, from other times when ALE's teams come and, it, and the crowd feels divided, I felt a very strong pro-Rays crowd coming across the airwaves. No, and it, lo- it looked like, uh, watching them, like, it looked like Rays playoff baseball. You know, just a lot of Rays gear, a lot of good blue colors out there, and a lot of um, excitement every time the Rays did something good. So it wasn't, you know, a bunch of, uh, you know, R- Yankees fans, a bunch of New Yorkers or Bostonians, people fleeing the the bad weather to go to uh, a bunch of snowbirds coming down to Florida. This was, these were Rays fans. And um, yeah, the attendance real quick, uh, according to baseball reference, 23,000 for the first game, 24,000, almost 25,000 for the second game, 23,000 for the third game. And then tw- uh, 21,000 um, for the, uh, for the Sunday game. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's great. That's, that's awesome. And it was mostly Rays fans. So yeah, exciting atmosphere. Everything was set. Big matchup. The Rays could split the series. That would send them into the All-Star break with a huge uh, bit of confidence. Um, if they could win the series somehow, it would be huge, huge, huge. And that's exactly what they did. Um, but it was it was the 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 tail of the tape was tough. It was one of right those games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the games the, you started the first off with game was the okay. bad news game, right? Well, that was the I'm, game that I'm I think. Just saying. Well, I, w- I would have said I-, I actually didn't have a lot of hope for the second game. The first two games were going to be tough. The first game, though, I mean, yeah, I think a lot of people pretty much thought, like, you got Chris Sale, who is uh, was pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Um, and you go going against somebody who's done really well for us, uh, Jake Faria. Uh, you know, he- he's been very solid, really exciting young player, but... 
you know, going toe to toe against Chris Sale, the uh, the AL leader in strikeouts, the AL leader in most pitching categories, one of the best pitchers in the American League over the last you know multiple years. Uh, that's a tough, tough uh, game to to get. And Jake Faria now has a lower ERA than Chris Sale, and he has no losses. And that tells a very important story. Faria in this game goes six full innings before handing it off to what looks like a stellar Rays high leverage situation of Brad Boxberger in the seventh, uh, Hunter in the eighth, Colomay in the ninth. It was an impressive victory. Yeah, I mean, he he pretty much outdueled um, Chris Sale by a lot of numbers. Um, you have, I mean, Sale had more strikeouts. He had 12 strikeouts, but mm-hmm. uh, but the Rays were able to get him for runs, or earned runs. They they tagged him for two homers as well. Faria kept the ball in the ballpark. Um, this is now six for six for Jake Faria for quality starts. He's 4-0, which, again, wins and losses, who cares, but... He's six for six in quality starts, which is a much more exciting um, metric, I think, because that means every time he goes out, he is he is giving the Rays a good chance to win. And like you mentioned, he gave us six innings, only one earned run given up, and he handed the ball off to Brad Boxberger, who's now seemingly back in more ways than just physically. He he seems like he's actually back, like the old Boxberger's mm-hmm. back. Then Tommy Hunter was just throwing gas that I've never really realized he had. I guess I never thought he was a 97-mile-an-hour fastball guy. And then Alex Colome, who's starting to settle back down again into being a, a, a good pitcher and not a, uh, I don't know, Troy Percival <laughs> <laughs> type of reliever. Um, but, yeah, that was that was exciting. That was an exciting game. Just the Rays got... Of eight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Different types of playoff games where, yeah... Yikes. Um, but yeah, so the Rays were able to to get that was a game that basically Wilson Ramos took over. He had a double. He had a homer um, with a very, very nice bat drop, uh, like Mike drop esque off of sale where he sent a nice two run bomb going. Uh, and he also controlled the running game. He threw out two runners on the bases. Um, Andrew Benintendi trying to steal second. And then uh, a somewhat wild pitch that he just snared and was able to to snag. Um, I believe it was uh, Lynn trying to 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 take third. So Ramos mm-hmm. defensively, offensively, he arrived. And this was a game that really showed this is the kind of the Rays' chances to make a run in the second half is those kind of additions that we can add. Jake Faria was not here at the start of the season. He's now up. And he's looking great. Brad Boxberger was not here at the start of the season. He's up here. He's looking great. Wilson Ramos was not here at the start of the season. He was up here and really, he was great. And those were the difference in the game. And uh, that's in exciting. this game those, in particular, that was that really was the Wilson Ramos game. I mean, that bullet of a throw he he sent to Longoria to nab the runner trying to steal third on a, a pitch that bounced off the chest plate and just going to get it making the perfect throw, watching it in slow motion. If you can go back and find a recap on the site, we have a gif of that. And it is beautiful and perfect. And I don't know if I expected amazing defense out of Wilson Ramos. But the Rays have gotten it. It is I, I, phenomenal. 
I wasn't expecting it this soon, at least. I think he's a he's a tremendous defensive catcher. I knew that was what you're getting, but he's coming back from an ACL injury. So I think right. tempering those expectations would have been wise. But man, oh, man, he's he looks like Wilson Ramos. <laughs> he looks like he hasn't missed any time. He just took a nice little uh, siesta to start the season, and now he's back. And holy bully, the, Buffalo is is here. And uh, he's that playing. That other race edition we, we haven't talked about yet. Uh is Echeverria. And I don't remember oh, Friday yeah. necessarily being his night. Uh, that was that was Saturday's game. So let's hit the pause on that. But we're going to come back. We need yeah, to talk he, about Friday. Go we ahead. need to talk about Friday. Yeah. Um, before we get to the fun stuff and, and we get to talk about um, how you should go watch every gif of uh, Adani Echeverria playing baseball because he is, it's a, it's beautiful. It is just beautiful. We have to talk about something not so beautiful. And that was um, basically Jake Odorizzi right now. And mm-hmm. he is, he looks not good. He looks absolutely, uh, he, he looks like our weakest pitcher. So it's hard to, it's hard to tell what this is, but I believe there's a compounding effect going on for him because he's a f- extreme fly ball pitcher. There I go messing up A and Ann. I just want to, like, as a note, I, I do edit articles for this site, and I wish I could edit my own speech. He is an extreme flyball pitcher. And really, there's one, maybe two very successful flyball pitchers in baseball right now, which we've had on the site. I believe it was Jim who was writing that up, that it's Max Scherzer, it's kind of Dan Straley, and then the third best extreme flyball pitcher has been Jake Odorizzi. And the question is... Is he an outlier pitcher like Max Scherzer, or is Jake Odorizzi going to come back down to earth, particularly in the live ball era, or whatever you want to call this, um, second half of 2015 and forward, where uh, the ball just seems to bounce off the bat a little bit more? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they're high fly ball rates, and at this point, every single start, Odorizzi is struggling. And more importantly, he's losing confidence in his own ability to pitch. There's just such a human element to this game. I think that's the takeaway that I want. And I'm so grateful for the All-Star break. Yeah, I think just maybe having a, a break for Odorizzi, maybe relaxing a little bit. He he definitely needs it. Um, this year, his walk rate's up. His strikeout rate is down. His home run rate is up. Uh his fly ball rate is up. It, it's it's not great. Yeah. You don't have to look desire. at graphs to know that this is not his year. <laughs> it's it's one of those things where you can be like, man, he looks like he's given up a lot of. He's not pitching that well. And you look at the numbers, you're like, yeah, this is a pitcher that's not pitching that well. Um, I think one of the things you mentioned, Max Scherzer, he's he gets away with a high fly ball rate. That's because he has a strikeout. He has a K per nine of twelve. Uh, he and he also doesn't walk anybody. I think one of the biggest factors against Odorizzi right now, Odorizzi's been an okay strikeout guy, not great. What he does do well is he limited walks. He didn't really walk a lot of people. He would keep, you know, and and you would let the defense kind of do the work on those fly balls. Um, This year, he's walking more people. So anytime he makes a mistake uh, up high, it's, it's just terrible. It's not one run. It's two. It's three. It's four if you're counting him throwing against Mike Zunino and he basically mm. jump started Zunino's entire career um with that horrible performance. It this is um it, it's very troubling, but hopefully he can settle down. He's been 
it's not been just like a couple weeks. It's not been, you know, it, it's been the whole season. He's had but some this good is his game. I, I wonder where his walks are coming from like around the zone. Because if you ask me, how do you fix Jake Odorizzi? Uh, I mean, if you asked him that, he'd probably tell you it's mechanical. Uh, I don't think it is uh, just, you know, trying to do my due diligence and ask around. Uh, he seems to be the same guy. And there's a question of whether or not that it's mental. But really, if he could pitch in and be more effective on brushing back hitters and getting low in the zone, then he could send in his high fastball, which is his bread and butter. And mm-hmm. that's where he's going to be striking guys out. But the three things I just said was pitch in, pitch down, and pitch up. And all three of those ideas are not about finessing a pitch or anything like that. It's literally about painting the black and peppering the edges of the zone and being effective in your sequencing. So where are his walks coming from? I, I, I didn't look that up before we started. Uh, it's See, it's hard to say for me. Because like even just looking at his pitches... You know, his fastball rate's down from last year, but it's in line with 2015. Uh, his his cutter rate is up again, but that's also in line with 2015. It's it's hard to say if there's one particular thing that's that he's missing on, but it is just one of those things for me that it doesn't seem like he's pitching with confidence. It seems like every time out there, he is just look he just doesn't seem like he has it. And things snowball. And and for pitchers that are not strikeout guys that that can't like you know basically start to get angry like mag you know max scherzer not to go back to him too many times because there's only one of him when when things go bad against him when something when a bad break happens say like a like a bloop single the guy just starts to like go insane and he sees red and you know the next guy up like there's another tick of a mile an hour on his fastball and he's going to just he is he you know he pitches a little bit stronger um he he pitches more aggressive Odorizzi, it seems like, like okay, he gets he misses a call on the outside, a bloop single. Now he just like everything. It just does not look like. Then he starts nibbling a bit more, and then he starts trying to be a little bit too careful, and then he leaves a pitch high, and everything goes down. So he he's also a guy that I think definitely needs uh, some some good luck, some positive luck. He's he's beaten his FIP um, each of the last uh, two years. Uh, this year he is not. And when you get pitchers that are kind of flyball guys that beat their FIP, eventually that can, you know, go the other way and the FIP catches up to them. Uh, and that may be just what's happening right now. And that the best case scenario for him is a guy that's maybe more like last year, a, a solid number two, number three guy, um, but one that could absolutely have some bad performances. Hopefully he can settle down though and, and just get some more consistent, um, get consistent uh, starts in this year. And maybe the all-star break is just exactly what he needed. Or there's the uh, at Sandy Kazmaier uh, approach where you just put him in the bullpen and say, ah, we're calling it a year. Let's not do that. Let's bring I, it back. I, I'm not a big fan of that, but, you know. No, no, no. Happy <laughs> thoughts. Happy thoughts. Happy thoughts. Maybe in, maybe in a couple more podcasts, then, because... then we'll be burying him. Saturday was the Cobb and Echeverria show. And Cobb was an old-school pitcher, man. I was in love. It was a three-hitter by the end of the night. And between him and Echeverria flashing gloves and Cobb spinning around and catching something behind his back, man, it was just such a fun, old-school shutting out the Red Sox. I mean, yeah, you had all together. So in the game, you have three pitchers total. 
this is definitely, like you said, this is a very old school game, you know, like three pitchers. Um, it for a, a raise Red Sox game. It was not super long for a one, nothing game it was a little long. It was about two hours and 40 minutes, but it was still a very exciting, exciting game. Um, yeah. I mean, just, just good defense, a lot of good pitches. Um, Seriously, the Echevarria catches. He had two, two great catches mm. or two full great stretch. plays. Full, yeah. So, I mean, so the first one is a full catch, full, perpendicular to the ground. Sean Rodriguez used to be able to pull this off once in a blue moon, and I mean, get better, buddy. I think he's about to improve from that terrible off-season car crash he had. Uh, he's uh, coming. He's finishing his rehab for the Braves. He's come back in the second half. Very glad to see that in the news, but. Mm. Uh, the same way Sean Rodriguez used to be pulled that off every once in a while, Hechevarria did this twice in one game against a division rival in what could have playoff implications because the Rays will play the Red Sox one more time, and that's at the end of September, I think. <laughs> Fact check. I think later. so. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Hechevarria, though, that the first one is a full stretch, and he catches that ball flying backwards, and then the second. Second time it happens, he knocks the ball out of the air. It bounces once off the turf, and with his outstretched arm, he puts it on the ball, grabs it, picks up, throws this crazy spinning throw from the ground, and gets the runner at first base. With that whole game, I mean, if you didn't like tense uh, baseball, this is probably not for you. Um, but these are the type of games you know the Rays are going to have to play in the playoffs. Maybe you don't get a lot of offense. Maybe you run up into a good pitcher, which in the playoffs you're only facing really good pitchers. Uh, but getting out a win like this, um, scoring just enough, holding it on, uh, playing that defense, not letting the other team really get into a rhythm either, it's it's tough. This is a tough game, but this is the type of resolve that you need to have uh, to win in the playoffs. Um, you're going to maybe have to win a game one nothing and yeah, that's just exciting, tense baseball. Really, really good stuff. Um, well, there was one more game, and there was one more game. This was the this was going to be the decider. Like the Rays, at this point, they had taken a game against Sale. They had won a one nothing game against uh, Rick Porcello. So this was the you know we've already kind of gotten the the split. So that's good. But a win going into the play going into the All Star break. That would be massive, not just for the uh, the standings, but just for the confidence to take three out of four against the Red Sox. Uh, so onto the mound, you have the ace of the Rays, one of the best pitchers in all of baseball, Chris Archer, going against the former ace of the Rays, David Price. This game had narrative written all over from the beginning. Chris Archer en route to the All-Star game, has to go in there and keep the Rays in this thing. The first thing he does is allow a home run on, what, the second <laughs> pitch? Yep. It already felt like we were spelling doom right at, at the beginning, right at, at the onset. But the Rays ended up holding, holding on and winning 3-5. to five. And it was a pitcher's duel so to speak, um, there's still a score of 2-1 to one through six innings. And at this point, it was that great 
nail-biter kind of which way is it going to go. It wasn't a blowout loss. It wasn't, you know, that Odorizzi game ended 3-8. to eight. This was engaging. This was entertaining. Brad Miller was doing his thing all game, which Brad Miller, another late addition, so to speak. I mean, he was there early on in the season for the Rays. Welcome back, Brad Goodness, because he decided to put the Rays on his freaking shoulders. And after the pitching duel was over, the Red Sox brought in none other than Joe Kelly. And yeah, man. I, I mean, I'm just kind of plowing straight through this game in terms of recap. Kelly's been nasty all year. Yeah, the the, the game kind of was just a nice pitcher's duel until late. And then really the action started getting back and forth in the seventh, where Chris Archer, I mean, ah, he pitched so well. And he gives up a little bloop. Then he gets a weak contact that cannot be turned for double play, uh, even though it was a perfectly hit double play ball. But it's just just a little too weak. And then Dustin Pedroia, um, old Dusty P, with just a slightly mislocation for Archer, and he takes him just over the wall to right to give the Ra- right. the Red Sox a three to two lead in the seventh with two out and two strikes on him. Archer was, you know, he definitely a second he threw it, and the second it kind of just lifted a little bit, he knew he made a mistake. Um, but then the excitement just came in right in the bottom. Uh, you had Malik Smith doing just, just so fast. He's just so fast, and uh, the so Malik exciting. Was in, was in full effect. Even Martin Fenley wrote a positive article about the Tampa Bay Rays, and it had everything to do with Malik Smith running the bases. Man, that was fun. Yep. Yeah. I mean, he. So there's a a single. A sharp hit ball by Souza to third base that is just barely missed as a catch. It rolls away just mm-hmm. slightly, and Malik Smith goes from first to third on a ball that did not leave the infield. It, it, it yeah, got to the dirt. Hard. It got to the dirt, but it did not get to the outfield grass. It did not touch the outfield grass, and Malik Smith, standing up, is at yeah. third base. And the ball is hit to third base. Like, he is a, he's just silly. It's just silly. I thought he had stolen second. I was listening on the radio, and when they said he reached third, I was like, oh, of course, Malik Smith must have stolen. I had to go back and watch the tape. Insanity. And that was, so that was against um, professional Manny Machado hunter, Matt Barnes, uh, who, who gave up that, who gave up, uh, who gave up the, uh, the kind of that little bit. But then you had um, Joe Kelly, who's been so filthy. I uh, mean, let's, let's talk about Joe Kelly because – I uh, was slightly endeared to Joe Kelly when he threw himself uh, to the Lions. And by that, I mean the Red Sox media. Because when they asked him, what are your expectations for this year? I think it was his last season. He's like, I'm going to win the Cy Young Award. And he knew exactly (laughs) what he was saying when he said that. He wanted the media to just lose their crap. And, of course, there were like 20 articles written about it up here in Boston. And people made fun of him relentlessly when he ended up being a failed starter. But I have long believed in Joe Kelly and kind of hoped that Boston would give up on him and maybe try to put him. They're too smart. Throwing triple digits, had not allowed a home run all season. I mean, just become a phenomenal pitcher out of the bullpen in the same way that Wade Davis should have willingly done for the Rays mm-hmm. and eventually uh, became great for the Royals and now the Cubs. And, and so Dave, so Kelly comes in, who's been so good, and he does exactly what he needs to do against Corey Dickerson, gets a shallow 
uh, fairly weak high pop-up to Benintendi and left, which is not very deep. I mean, if you're going to get, you know, of the outcomes, that's not a bad outcome, except for Malik Smith is on third base. And when that was popped up, I did not think it was deep enough. And yet no. Malik Smith was like Benintendi didn't have a chance and and he's got a good arm and he didn't have a chance to get Malik's. He's he was gone like on that. Like, I feel like if it was an infield pop up. Malik was scoring from third on that. Like, that's how fast like, that's, <laughs> and he was going and he still scores. <laughs> yeah, they're like, I, you know what? He he just went. I don't care. It just happened. No, he like it was incredible because, again, you tip your cap to Kelly makes a great pitch. It's hard to get. Um, Dickerson to not hit something hard, no matter where it goes. Right. Usually, it's it hard. And you a pop up is what you're supposed to do. Yeah, exactly. Get a weak pop up to shallow, shallow left field, and you're pretty much. And Malik getting... Smith says nay. <laughs> nope, he was scoring. He like Watch when him. Malik Smith got on base, he was scoring. He was going to. Uh, he was going to score it, it, that time. It did. It did have an air of, of inevitability. You felt the magic in the air. And that's and again then, those things in in the playoffs. It's it's just kind of incredible. You do there's that old school baseball style of like generating runs, right? Yes. Which is all about like what bunts. That's not really what the Rays need to do. You do need to, like we talked about in a previous podcast, um, have great base running, and that means taking extra bases when you can, like Malik Smith did here, and then scoring on fly balls with less than two outs like they did here. That was some great old school fundamental baseball um, that is exactly what you kind of needed. And the Rays, I mean, they, and, the Rays generally... You know what? I, I was really proud that he's been slumping. He's just been kind of slowing down a little bit. Kind of needs that rest. He's going to be starting the All-Star game, sure. A little bit of part of the seams. Him, Souza, Lomo, all the stars of the team this series were kind of just lagging, and, and that that need for a break in the middle of the season was evident. And Smith gave it everything. And then Brad Miller, the well-rested. And then Brad Miller. Now we can bring it back. Yeah. Now we get now we get to My talk about Brad goodness. Miller with a tie he game. He has done nothing but hit since he came off the disabled list, and it's been so fun. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, the Rays need a good Brad Miller in the second half, and Brad Miller needs to be good in the second half. I think he's been he's had a really you know tough year. He's been walking, so at least he's doing that, but he hasn't been doing any hitting whatsoever. But now he's back, and you know it's it's tough to have the injury, but it does seem like he's he's coming back with a little bit of uh, pep in his step. It it was it was straight away. to center field and, and it was loud and it was down and away and Brad Miller just kind of dipped his body, squared it up and hit a dong. It was just so he, glorious. And he knew it the second he hit it too. Like he, he like, he, I, did he, he I remember him. I remember just like popping up and sprinting. I don't know if he, it was joy or if I don't he was know, legging it out. There is a bit of I feel like I don't know maybe I'm just look like seeing too much into it but it seemed like he had like a bit of a skip there that wasn't like it was a no doubter but he was like that that's going that's that's going yeah. you know and, it was deep yeah I mean he he was running so he wasn't like he wasn't like pimping it, it uh, might have been a, a wall scraper but, but man was, I think he was happy he to good. just trot his way the rest and the race held up Alex Colomay yeah. came back in 
Uh, <laughs> that, that was another game. So, yeah, uh, Tom what? Hunter that came in, uh, yeah. got out from Chris Archer after Chris Archer gave up the homer. Uh, Brad Boxer picked, pitched a a good inning. He gave up two walks, but they were both, like, I mean, he, he had one was really close. It was a strike on the, uh, according to pitch FX, but it was, you know, it was called a ball. It was close enough that it could have been. It's not like, you know, a demand for robot umps on that one. Um, and then he did walk in the next guy, but then he caught, came back with a strikeout. So Boxberger did, he gave up no hits, gave it's still a clean inning. Um, don't want to see the walks come back, but those weren't terrible walks. Those were, you know, competitive mm-hmm. walks. And then, yeah, like you said, Alex Kalme, he picked up two saves in this series. Uh, yeah, I think two saves in the series. Mm-hmm. He's pitched right. well the last little bit. He's 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 bounced back nicely from some. Yeah, it's it's not it's not real the bases loaded situation. He did allow a single here, but it was pop out, ground out, pop out. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he so. it was it was well under control. It was well under control on this one. So the Rays done good. Yeah, three three out of four going into the All Star break. We'll we'll talk about kind of the first half. We'll talk about kind of second half expectations and the all-star break uh, coming up. But this was just this series. Uh, every game told a story. Every game was exciting in its own way. Um, even though I mean, I, I feel like I lived a thousand deaths. It was it was a good series, though. And a feel good series with the wins. I mean, I, this is going to be important. We're going to look back on this, see what happens and think, wow, that series and the all-star break was really important. So, I I agree. I agree. Good, good stuff. Right. Good way to cap off the first. Darby, you you want to take us home? Absolutely. So we we mentioned Brett Phillips' awesome coverage over at the All Star uh, game and break. Um, he had a great interview with Lucius Fox. We're going to expect to see more awesome stuff like that. Um, please check out more content. Uh, if you like this, more content at at draysbay.com. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Hit Show Podcast. Uh, but most importantly, again, uh, this is because this is the co-Brett uh, Phillips Appreciation Podcast. Um, make sure, if you aren't following at D-Ray's Bay, do yourself a favor, because it is tremendous. And also, if you're not following the Tampa Bay Rays official po- uh, Twitter account, also do that, because we have one of the best social media. Between D-Ray's Bay and the official account, Rays Baseball is just social media gods, just absolute tremendous. Those guys do such a good job. Um, As always, please uh, head on over to iTunes, uh, rate uh, and subscribe to make sure you get every new episode. Um, And if you always have any questions, just please send us an email at draysbaypodcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back soon. And uh, until next time, For Danny, I'm Darby and Dustin in the studio. This has been The Hit Show. The Hit Show. The Hit Show is produced and engineered by Dustin Klingman. Make sure to check out all the newest and latest news about the Rays on DRaysBay.com. Check us out at DRaysBay on Twitter and, of course, DRaysBay on Facebook.